Well, welcome everyone to the Principal's Desk podcast. My name is David. I am the founder of the Principal's Desk, and I am joined today by Lydia Edmonds, and uh, super excited to have her on the show today, talking about something really important and very uh, present in schools across the country. It doesn't matter if you, you know, elementary, middle, high school. Uh, we're going to talk about parent conferences, something that strikes fear in the hearts of so many educators <laughs> and parents uh, and, well, students, especially uh, when parents and teachers get together here, um, but uh, how we can make these uh, you know, win-wins here. So uh, again, super excited to have Lydia here. She's coming uh, to us today from Mobile, Alabama. I've Ooh. never been to Alabama. Um, oh, I've got to get down there, uh, but she's at St. Luke's Episcopal School. And uh, Lydia, thanks for joining us here on the Principal's S podcast. Thanks so much for having me, David. I'm really excited. Would love to host you down on the Gulf Coast. The I will take you up on that. Yeah, come to the beach or better yet, you can come to Mardi Gras, the original home of Mardi Gras. It's a little more family friendly than New Orleans. So Is it really? I yeah. didn't know there was a Mardi Gras yeah. in, um, in down in uh, Mobile, Alabama. I've, I've, well, I've never been to Mardi Gras, but I've been to New Orleans. Um, but uh, I, I will take you up on that on that opportunity there but uh tell uh tell us a little bit about about yourself uh your role how you ended up uh ended up uh you know working with parents and you know how do we improve this uh this really uh anxiety producing uh element in education right well it's my 20 uh 2nd year in education 23rd year in education I tried hard not to be a teacher. I come from two parents who were educators. My dad um, was a science teacher for about for a little over 30 years. And my mom um, actually went back to college for the first, went to college for the first time when I was in fifth grade and became a special education oh. teacher. Um, so <clears throat> they were encouraging, but I of course tried not to, but I majored in math. Um, and at the end, there were a lot of math positions open when I graduated from college. It was a tough time to get a good job. and. So I said, you know what, I'm going to try teaching. And uh, I loved it. And here I am 22 years later, still in education. And I, I really never looked back. Um, so I taught math for uh, 19 years. And I was at a large public, a pretty good size, about 1,600 students, 1,500, 1,600 students, um, inner city high school in our public school system. And <clears throat> about 13, 14 years um, prior, to now, I coordinated the IB program. So we applied as a school and received um, authorization to have the International Baccalaureate Diploma Program. So I kind of had opportunities within my building to sort of move up in teacher leadership. So kind of every time I felt like, oh, maybe I'm you know, looking for a little more management or looking for a little something more interesting, there was an opportunity within my school or within my district to sort of do something different and you know, sort of level up myself and my own game each time. Um, I went from teaching, you know, very challenging students in terms of um, behavior management, um, you know, learning disabilities in my first few years, and I ended my teaching career, uh, which may not actually be over, but I ended those years teaching at the higher level, the international baccalaureate students, and in all of that, the parent conferences, of course, looked so vastly different. 
you know, on one hand where I'm begging for parents to come and meet with me. And on the <laughs> other end, sometimes there were parents who wanted to meet more often than I really had time to meet. And then fast forward a right. little bit, I'm in my third year at an independent school, a private school in Mobile, Alabama, St. Luke's Episcopal School. And so working with parents there has really kind of given me some new vocabulary about what I think I already knew, that it's really more about partnership. And I think we use that word a lot. Um, we throw it around a lot, partnership with stakeholders, but it just in the last few years really took on a whole different meaning to me. Um, that won't say it was because of the pandemic, but as we kind of looked at more ways to really form and reinforce relationships, it became more <laughs> evident to me that the work had to be done and it had to be done in a different way. Um, <clears throat> especially when you were meeting people with a mask on, you, they didn't necessarily see your smile. They, you know, a lot of that body language or you were doing phone calls where you used to be able to meet in person and really, you know, that energy could speak for itself to keep something positive. So I really have considered in the last few months, you know, what is one of those things that we need support on? But I think it's not like, it's not exciting, right? It's not the thing you see as a, a, a workshop session at a conference or <laughs> like right. who wants to go relive their, some of their worst and most difficult moments, oh. which for parent and student conferences. Right, right. It is so anxiety producing, I think, for teachers, for admin, for parents, for students. Um, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying. I had teachers uh, at my schools when I was a principal who would I, they would tell me I'm terrified for parent conference week and they I'm like why you talk in front of people like all day long and she's like yeah but they're kids right the little people <laughs> having having you know uh you know parents and family members it's 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 so like I'm so nervous and then add on if there is a difficult conversation that does need to happen. Um, and I remember, uh, you know, my first days or first years as a school administrator, having those conversations with parents around suspensions, around yeah. decent disciplinary issues, or, you know, major concerns about academics. It's hard because you are telling a parent that their child, which is the most important thing in the world to them, it, there is an issue and a concern and it is so hard and so you're right it's not the most exciting topic that is out there but one that is probably <clears throat> one you know something that the teachers think about so often you know and you know having that phone call with the with a parent or face-to-face -face meeting and how do we navigate that conversation uh so like you said come out at the other end with a partnership with like, we're going to work together um, to benefit this child and their, and their journey here. So um, let's, let's kind of go through it and kind of see, you know, what does this look like? How, if I'm a teacher here and I know a lot of teachers listen to the podcast, how can I make these more successful? How can we come together? Great. So I came up with sort of five areas that I think we can really use to sort of level up our game in terms of parent conferences, which the hope is that it reduces anxiety for at least the teacher, you know, whoever is facilitating or in the meeting, the grownups involved, and really comes out on the other side with something that looks like a win and moves the relationship forward in a positive way. Mm -hmm. um, the worst case scenario is, right, that we leave and everybody leaves kind of unhappy or dissatisfied. And there's no formula. Every parent conference or student conference looks different, feels different. Every situation ends up being unique. Some you know about, some you don't. Um, so there's no formula and you can't really sort of 
practice it all the time, um, except this trial by fire, which I, <clears throat> again, was not necessarily the best way for all of us to do it. So the first thing I think is to sort of define your win. The, the win we're likely never going to get is to have convinced the other party that they're wrong. <laughs> you know, we go in defensive sometimes because a lot of times the parent conferences are called or are happening because there is a problem or, you know, that needs to be solved or someone needs to address something. So I think that early on, you've just got to decide my goal cannot be to convince someone that they're wrong and I'm right. So if you take that off the table, like what is a satisfactory outcome? Like, what does that look like in general for you as the teacher or the admin or whoever's facilitating the meeting? Um, what will make you feel good about the conference once it's over? For me, and this is personal, so I think this depends on who you are and what makes you feel like it was a strong, positive meeting. For me, I've learned that I feel good about any conference that ends with signs of a stronger partnership. For me, that means we actually felt like we had a conversation. Right. Um, some kind of evidence of trust. Now, down in the South, we may, we end up hugging half the time at the end of the meeting. So, you know, maybe some smiles, like what am I looking for to kind of feel like we're ending, even if it was a tough conversation on something that really has made us a stronger yeah. partnership. I like that a lot because I have seen, and I'm sure I did this too, um, before I realized what I was doing is I was going in for a win. Like I, I want to win the conversation. I want to win the argument. I want to show them that they're wrong. And that's not my role. Um, and if that's what I need to feel better about the situation for myself, I need to take a look inside uh, because that's not productive. But it's, it is that like, how are we working together? And I've had those really difficult conversations with families where at the end of it, um, we're, we're on the same page. We're, we're, you know, yeah. throwing jokes back and forth and we're, we're, the, our partnership is stronger now. And so much so that like teachers who are maybe waiting outside of this meeting that I'm having behind closed doors, right. like, and we leave and they're like, why is everyone so happy? I'm like, why shouldn't we be like, yeah. you know, um, and so I, I like that a lot. Cause again, like it's, we don't want to win these conversations. There's no battle we're fighting here we're, we're working together so I, I love that you're starting off with that with that really important point yeah and I think it's natural right I don't want to not I don't want to seem disingenuous that those feelings of being defensive don't ever exist it's just how do I as the adult make especially if I'm meeting with children because at a high school level I would include in the middle school for that mm -hmm. I include children as as much as is appropriate for their age right um mm -hmm. so <laughs> I'm the grown up and I'm, I'm responsible for how the meeting goes in the end, even if I'm going in defensive. Mm -hmm. um, how, how do I just control that? Because I know it's going to be there. So, right, um, right. so the second thing is have a plan and plan to be flexible. So <clears throat> as an admin, I have more, I think, um, varied types of conferences like they all present something really different as a teacher it was almost always either about behavior management or academic performance right. so it kind of fell into one of two categories um so if i think about that how can i con construct something that allows me to feel like i can keep the meeting you know in a timely manner because that's really hard to you have a planning period and that's kind of it um mm -hmm. but at the same time be flexible enough to engage with maybe something new that even comes out during the meeting. So this is sort of the, the simple part of it to me because it's the part of the pre-work. Um, like, who are you going to take notes while they're in there? Are you going to be on your computer? Are you taking handwritten notes? 
Um, you know, I, I'm old enough to still appreciate writing things by hand, but young enough to appreciate that I have to do something after that with my handwritten notes that's digital. Um, but I still will write. And that's partly because I'm cognizant of like the physical barrier that my laptop might set up if it's in front of me. Um, and if it's a particularly um, controversial conversation or possibly controversial, you know, I don't want any physical barriers to be between me and the family or to seem like I'm taking care of business, quote unquote, versus just engaging. Right. So, you know, have a plan. Are you writing on paper? And then I actually have like a little bit of a template that gives me an, a, a very loose agenda. So <clears throat> like on one side, it's just parent and parent concerns or comments lines, student concerns or comments lines, teacher or admin concerns or comments. And then on the back side, it's sort of the same thing, but it's actions. So parent actions to take, student actions to take, faculty or admin actions to take, and then some space for signatures. That is very, I mean, that's like a 50th iteration at this point of a document, because every sure. time I have one, I'm like, oh, I could make this better and I never leave it alone. But that gives me sort of an agenda and keeps me on topic. Like, has everybody had a chance to share? And then, okay, let's go move on to let's take some action. I think that's the piece that moves us into step three for my how to level it up. If you're good with that, um, you know, how do you prepare for that action? So at this point, you know, figured out how you're gonna, how are you gonna, how are you gonna have your win? How, how are you going into the conference? Have you tabled the, the yucky feelings? And then have a plan. What does the plan look like? Who needs to share their concerns? So who needs mm -hmm. to be there? And how are you recording it? Um, and then step three is prepare for action. So typically, I think there are actions that could be taken kind of by all the partners to address whatever is, it's usually problem solving, right? So, or something needs to be improved or changed. So how do you prepare for that? I think one of the best ways to kind of get those defensive feelings out as the teacher is to go ahead and prepare, anyway, my document, right? I go back to my notes or my document. I can write that out ahead of time. And one of the big wins, I think, for teachers to be able to do that is it gives you a minute to write without your emotions or edit your emotions out of it. So if you can kind of make your short bullet points of, you know, struggling to pay attention rather than, oh my gosh, he is not paying attention to anything, you know, <laughs> rather than yeah. all of the details around it. <clears throat> you got that is <laughs> that's it's I like that point because you're right when we are in the meeting and it's a heat of the moment we're going to say things that we can't take back because you know and and again we're getting frustrated or we're getting defensive because again I like I said I don't want to take away those real emotions too because that does happen um <clears throat> but being able to plan out these are the three things the four things that I would like to convey and you're taking the emotion out, you're, you're not in the moment, and you can, can see, and then hopefully you're able to see like, wow, these are four really negative points that I'm trying to make here. Maybe I need to change up the language I'm going to use or throw in a positive aspect in there because you can really kind of get frame that conversation. So as you're preparing for action and thinking about your win, um, you can have it be balanced, um, you know, and again, we want to come out as partners, but if we go in just guns blazing every single time and listening to everything that's that is is negative, our actions are going to be negative. Like that's there's only yeah. recourses. Like, well, what disciplinary action are we taking? That's not necessarily the conversation we should be having here. So, I really like that. And the other point that I was just thinking of 
when you said again about being prepared and writing your notes down, I always had a notebook with me too. I don't take notes on a computer. I think that again, I think it's showing a little bit. My, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little bit my age. Um, but yes, you're absolutely right. You got to digitize it. Um, it's the notion also of being prepared um, about parents wanting to record the conversation. Um, that does happen. And so understanding what your, it, it, your districts, what, what your rights are when that happens here, uh, what your responses should be for that, because there are, there, there's a conversation that maybe needs to happen here. Uh, uh, but bottom line, when a parent wanted to do that, and I've had this happen to me many times over my career, where they said, I want to record this. Uh, and I always said yes, because if you say no, that's a whole other avenue you're going to go down. But I always said yes, but I said, like, I'm going to record it on my phone too, if that's okay with you. Just, you never know who's really good with some audio splicing and <laughs> can change things around a little bit. But then you have your own uh, own recording as well. Again, just to protect yourself and your staff sure. if that conversation does go off the rails. Uh, so being prepared uh, 100%. Um, Totally agree with you. And, 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 and you know, that goes back to your yeah. suggestion, which was great about when you take the time to prepare your points and, and more than just like, you know, <clears throat> in a way that you would almost put it in writing. Yeah. So you instead of just saying our words and you get mm -hmm. those positive points in there, because we usually do that. Most of us are trained to do that if we're sending an email to a parent, right? Something positive, that right. Oreo, for better or for worse, the Oreo cookie or the sandwich idea, something good, the problem closed with something good. We often don't do that in a conference because that conversation can get off track or you don't get very far mm -hmm. into, um, you know, right. the good or the, the challenge before somebody has a different conversation point. Um, and just back to the recording, I've, you know, as an admin these days, I've, again, for better or for worse, I, I've just told my teachers, assume at all times that you're recorded. It's, it's a really tough way, right? So again, we could probably spend a whole nother podcast talking about that, but. Uh, <laughs> well, you don't know, you don't know. It's so easy no. just to record on your phone yeah. and you don't and, even know that right, you're being phone recorded. Call, phone calls, all of it, assume. Absolutely. And then even for emails, there are so many sort of mm. like, um, you know, the group me's and the Facebook groups for each grade level or class, you know, the parent group. Right. So, you know, I learned early on that even I reply to one person, they may take my response and post it, assuming that it's helpful to others, but I may have written it only assuming it was to the one. So I think these days, it's just these days, I do sound old, I do sound really, <laughs> <angry>. <laughs> the more we keep talking, yeah. but, you know, right. The approach is just assume that everything you you do can be shared in some way. Um, yes, that's a hard way to live. I think that's a challenge for teachers right now, especially, but um, it's the reality of it. And I think that's yes. part of that, have a plan, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, um, absolutely. And then absolutely. the plan to be flexible. I mean, I, I can think of some of the most difficult conferences and there are a few that just have had to be shut down in the moment, right? Um, yes. You know, if, if the others weren't coming to the table with an equal partnership and attempt, you know, joining me, meeting me halfway for a co good conversation, especially when students were present. Um, and especially as an admin with my teachers, right? Yes. I will not continue to let them be um, berated in a, in a yes. parent conference. So there's a point where sometimes we just have to shut it down and maybe try again later or try a different approach. Yes. approach. Um, so that's part of that be flexible. Um, I've done that. It never goes that way, yeah. but yeah, I've it is. done it. I've done it and I've had teachers say, will you stop the meeting if this happens? And I, 
every single time as an ad, as an admin, yes. And I have stopped meetings. I've had asked parents to leave or I've asked the teacher, uh, I was like, you can go. Like, I don't want you to have to deal with this. Let me, I will deal with it because that's my role. Um, I've had parents be extremely angry with me when I have done that, but I will not let my teacher, like you just said, be berated um, like that. Now, if there is an issue that I need to address with a teacher, I'll do that privately and respectfully, but I will not have someone be yelled at like in my presence. Right. That, that was not going to work. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up because uh, that is that is really important for all the administrators out there. Never let that happen. Um, you, that, that's that's a part of your role is, is kind of protect sure. your staff, uh, address an issue privately if it comes up, but... Uh, you will, you'll get, um, you'll earn a lot of points <laughs> by uh, making sure that, that that you stop those. But again, if you are, have, if you have a plan and you're trying to be flexible, these issues are going to be more and more uncommon um, yeah. because, again, you're being prepared for these things. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think the whole one of the reasons I was kind of anxious a little bit to share some of this because I don't want it ever to seem like it there's a formula or you know do yeah. x y and z and you will always have good parent conferences like I'm not I'm not naive right, right. um and and we really have had tough parent conferences before and, and then there's other ones where you think it's going to be one thing and you get in and you're like oh that's what you were worried about that's easy to fix yeah <laughs> I had oh. all these notes but since that's the problem I'm just gonna like push this aside yeah like we don't need to talk <laughs> about this like manuscript that I wrote over here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, they yes. want, they can't see the board. That is not a problem. We can fix yeah. that. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, we can change their seat for tomorrow. No worries. Right. <laughs> no problemo. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So the action piece, I think is one of the key things that has made a difference in some of the logistics of the meeting. It's keeping it on target. So at some point, you know, everybody's kind of shared. You don't need to keep rehashing the what we're concerned about or what the challenges from all the people. And again, I always try to save space if they're old enough and it's developmentally appropriate for a mm -hmm. student to be in the meeting. Let them share their own concerns. And I will often start with the student. Yeah. Um, so that's just a, a tip. Can you tell me what's bothering you? Can you tell me what's challenging for you right now? Right. Start with the student first because the parents are raring to go but it can sometimes change the tone when their student is being asked to speak up. Um, <clears throat> so I start with the student and then kind of the parents and then I, as an admin or a teacher, try to kind of go last because a lot of times they'll go ahead and mention some of the things that I've already gone on my list. So at that point, I'm just mm -hmm. echoing, you're right. Um, I'm, I'm glad you said you've been seeing this at home. I'm seeing this at, in the classroom, you know, whatever that can look right. like. Um, so again, it kind of makes that partnership um, <clears throat> and then at that point, the action comes in. So it's kind of a point where, you know, you're 15 minutes in 20 minutes in, it's time to literally turn my page over yes. <laughs> on the backside and say, I I'm not like of my meeting. So I do need us to get to some steps we can take to help, you know, little, yes. little over here. Um, so again, that's one of the things that I think you can prepare for ahead of time, you know, as the teacher, what challenges you're walking in on, um, or walking into the meeting, knowing yourself. So at that point, do you have some solutions that you could do to help the student? So if, you know, like we were just joking, um, if, if part of it is focus or they seem to get up a lot or something like that, is there a, is there a seat change? You can always just say, look, I think that I could change. This is one thing I could do to help. I could change his seat. Um, 
Is it, uh, you know, flexible seating for the student who just mm -hmm. seems jittery? Is it, I will give him, you know, an unlimited bathroom pass. And what I really know he's going to do is take one walk around the hallway and come back. You know, what are some of the things that the, the offerings that you can make as the teacher? And again, I'm using that as an example, but there are billions more, which again, three podcasts on that, right? What do you yeah, really Exactly. Oh, yeah. So, uh, but coming in as the teacher, having some things prepared to offer to help shows that you have thought about it and that you want to help. So out of the gate, when you turn the page, you say, here's some things I thought that I can do to help your child. And so mm -hmm. out of the gate, you go. And then I think it goes to the student next. You know, what are some things, do you think these will help? Do you think these are good ideas? What ideas do you have? And then the same conversation with the parent. Mm -hmm. So again, it's kind of, I'm, I'm making an offering, right? My gift comes yeah. out first. Um, I've thought about it and I'd like to help. And here's what I came up with. Do you think it would help? So again, that goes back to the having a plan, but you've also prepared for action. <clears throat> so, and then you just kind of take notes on what everybody's going to do. Sometimes it needs to be, uh, you know, time stamped. you know, you don't have to really sit there and create smart goals <laughs> while you're in the meeting, but I do think some things seem to be time relevant. So, mm -hmm. you know, if it's simple things like cell phone, which is goodness, right? All the days. Um, day. you know, maybe we're going to have a two week. One of the solutions is for two weeks, we do this. Um, and mm -hmm. so set some things that may need to be timely in that. So that's the prepare for action. So prepare ahead of time for some action. And then I would always kind of have a few ideas on the back burner. If the student can't come up with anything, right? That's your soft um, ball throw into well, do you think that you could maybe, do you think this right. for you to well, do? Bringing in the students, yeah, it, it makes it, you get more buy-in and uh, they almost think like it can't, it, it came from them, even though if it didn't. And so it gives them ownership of it and puts them in the driver's seat um, and also takes some of the responsibility off the adults and say like, hey, we are talking about you. And again, if it's age appropriate to do that, we are talking about you. Like, what do you think about this? Give me your thoughts. Like, could you make this work? Could we, is this a good solution here? And I'll, it, it, they'll leave that meeting going like, oh, I, I participated. My voice was heard. Even though you had prepared for this ahead of time. You know, that's kind of like the, the hidden piece is that you, you, you already were ready for that to happen and you set it up and it was a perfect, a perfect pitch basically. And gosh, kids can come up with some gems, right? I mean, I can't yeah. tell you the number of times that I've had a student say, well, I really think this will help. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, that is genius. Why didn't I, yeah. I'm writing that down for the next one, you know? I mean, they'll really yeah. they know themselves. Yeah. Um, well, and so if it's a behavioral issue, sometimes kids are harder on themselves when they're put in that position than you would have been. Like, I remember working with some students like, well, if I... If I get out of my seat like three times without asking during the day, like uh, you can take away my like my recess for a week. And I'm like, I, I wasn't <laughs> going to do that. Like I was thinking maybe, you know, like you have to like, you know, I don't know. You've got to. You're like, I would have done two days, but OK. I, I, I don't know. Or like, you just, you know, help me wipe down the desks. Yeah. It's like, I, it doesn't. Yeah, gonna, we don't take away recess. Know, no. You know, we don't do that. And it's like, but yeah, sometimes they. Yeah. They'll be harder on themselves if they're given the opportunity to, which it's it's fun because then you get to pull it back and they're like, oh, okay, good. Like, wow, I'm getting let, let off the hook a little bit, but not really. Um, you know, and it's uh and parents see that you're working with them. And and you know, it's it's like, you know, I'm looking at my notes here, like being personal and you know, and personal, that's like it's that 
conversation that I think that's really where that partnership is really going to come into place. It's like, we're just talking here. Like we're on the same team. We're coming up with something specific for you, for the child, um, you know, and not some canned response that I have in, even though you're coming with strategies and we all do, but you are making it personal for the child and, and they are feeling like they are getting that individualized attention. And that's what parents like to see as well. Do you know my child? And um, if you don't, that's when you're going to run into some tough conversations. But if you do, and you're providing, you know, uh, examples that work for that child's personality and their needs, that's just going to pay dividends for a long time to come. I think you're definitely on target. So that be personable and personal is that next way to kind of level up. And I think it dovetails back into, we've said, have a plan, prepare for action, prepare ahead of time. And again, I keep coming back to, there's no formula to this, but if you look at all that, I don't want, I don't want any, you know, I think, oh gosh, what if one of my parents listened to this podcast and they think I just have, you know, a sneaky way of manipulate. It's not manipulating. Right. right? But when I, when I look at all of the pieces that make for a good parent conference, or it's really like a partnership meeting, or really it's the skills we teach our kids to have positive collaboration in the classroom. So it's good team skills. How do you work as a team? And that's really the approach to this. If I'm in charge of the meeting, be prepared and prepare to take steps. And how can everybody contribute? Did I hear everyone's voice? And it's really those skills of collaboration that we're trying to teach our children in the classroom anyway. Exactly. Exactly. So I do think that as i have parented. (laughs) So my oldest is turning 13 this week. So I haven't actually gotten one grown and flown just yet, but I know, right. But I think the more I parented, the more like personal stories I can share to become personable, (laughs) right. In a conference. So, you know, to the detriment of probably my children, I tell true stories about them um, as it, (laughs) as it relates so that I remind parents, look, I'm in the trenches with you. Um, you know, I'm quick to tell, you know, when it's whatever the issue is, if I have a, one of mine who's had a similar problem or I'm dealing with something at home, you know, I might not give all the details, but around them, I'm a parent with you. I'm in this with you. I don't think you have to be a parent to be relatable as a teacher or an admin. So I think that maybe there are stories from your own past, right? Most of us had a class that was challenging at some point. I can remember, please don't laugh too much at this, sharing all my tips and tricks, really. I can remember one of the last conferences I had, the students like, I just am so tired. And this is not a student who's diagnosed with any, um, you know, ADD or she's like, I'm just so tired in this class. I can't pay attention. I was like, you know what? I was so bored in one of my business classes in college (laughs) that I would literally, I had two methods. I would either write with my left hand, which I could not do well at all (laughs) to stay (laughs) awake. And I would get a bag of white cheddar cheeses, right? And I would eat two, like every 10 minutes. I mean, so I had, you know, pull from something. You don't have to be a parent, but you know, the struggles you're going in and you're about to talk about, have you experienced something similar? Um, You know, relate to the child or relate to the parent. You can't, you don't want to be a robot in these, but I do think even that can be sort of thought about before you go into the conference, if possible. Yeah. The other, it's a great example you just gave. I, I, similar, uh, but it was in high school, um, AP English language. (laughs) I had it after lunch and growing up in Los Angeles, my school did not have air conditioning. And so it was super hot right after lunch. And uh, I fell asleep in that class more than once. I sat in the back and the way our tables were in that class, I actually, my back was to the teacher, uh, just these big tables. And so like, (laughs) 
I put my head <laughs> down many times. I sat with friends and they'd wake me up because uh, I was so tired. And the class to me was so boring. Oh, and man. so um, when kids would get sent to my office for falling asleep in class, I would share that story and be like, yeah, I, 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 I know. And you know what? Like sometimes the class they fell asleep in, it was boring. <laughs> like, right. And that's what sometimes I ask the teacher. I'm like, so what were you doing? What was your lesson today? And they'll tell me and I'm like, okay. Like it's a, it's a different conversation. But again, like I think sharing those stories is super important. I shared stories about my own children with, with parents that I worked with. Like, yep, yeah, go through the same thing. Um, it, it's important that they know that. And uh, you've been there and you've experienced some of the same things and that they see you as a real person, not just as this, like, I sleep at the school. I used to joke with my elementary kids, like, <laughs> oh, see that, see the nurse's office in there. There's that cot in there. I sleep in there. Like sometimes if I'm working really yeah. late and they, they thought I was serious. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm out of here at four 30, like <laughs> going home to my kids. <laughs> and so, uh, but it's, you know, making them understand you're a real person. You, you, you understand what they're going through to some level and you, you know, or maybe you've been there in the exact same yeah. issue. That really helps. Absolutely. So when you get, you know, the, the tough part is how do you close out mm -hmm. a conference? So in the imaginary conference that we're having, we've done all these things. Um, maybe it's feeling good and it's feeling positive. I have a really bad habit of just continuing to talk to people until I'm a hundred percent sure that they are happy and are leaving happy <laughs> and trusting in me like I'll just keep talking right right, right. Uh, we'll just keep talking about anything and everything until I feel like we've totally bonded and had a great relationship but the truth is when you're a teacher or anybody really on the clock at that point you know we high school middle school we live and die by a bell you know at some point the bell rings and I've yes. got a whole group of you know 20 children sitting in a classroom waiting on me so how do you keep it in a time frame that's reasonable and you know is respectful yeah. to of the parents who've carved out time so my tip to kind of close it out and level it up is kind of once you've gotten through those actions um who's doing what is it timely what does it look like <clears throat> follow up. And I mean, for real, that's my tip, follow up, but for real follow up, don't just say, well, let's follow up. So this is where I do kind of appreciate having, I'll have my laptop in there. So I will set a date and put it in my calendar right away. Now the follow up can look like different things depending on, you know, what you think is needed in terms of follow up. It might be email. It might be a phone call. Um, it could need, it could need, it could, you know, warrant another face-to-face -face meeting. And I think that sure. this is sort of one of those last, um, really important points that lets the family know that you are invested in this partnership, in this working, in this supporting the child, that it's not a one and done. Thanks for coming. Right. You know, it's a whole different attitude about, I really hope this works. I'm, 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 you know, hopeful and I'm confident that we're going to get to a good solution. And if we didn't figure it out today, we'll follow up and figure out how, what that can look like. So I think, you know, again, it can be a, you know, check-in email, it can be a phone conference, it can be a face-to-face -face meeting, um, but set a date in the calendar yeah. for any of those, even if it's on your own personal calendar to send that email. And then preferable, but often gets away from us, especially as an admin, because the next problem walks through the door. And for teachers, you also, you walk right back in and have to go and teach. I, I really prefer a follow-up email within 24 hours. So that's when I use the opportunity to digitize my notes. 
So out in mine, I have a place where like parents and the students sign and I sign or the teacher signs. Um, and so at that point, I scan it in. And so I send that with my follow-up email. Mm -hmm. And the email doesn't have to be a lot or it can be, right? It can be, thank you so much for your time. I enjoyed meeting you, see whatever the, you know, the niceties are. I'm attaching the documents from our meeting. So we'll all be able to keep up with what we're supposed to do in the next few weeks. Um, I have, I will follow up with you guys on blank. If you didn't get a chance to set the date with them, commit yourself. I think that's what I'm, I have to do that for my own accountability. I have to commit to a deadline. And so I go ahead and put it in there, commit myself to following up with them. Um, I'll follow up with you, uh, you know, on December 12th and we'll see how things are going and we'll make some decisions or, you know, changes if we yeah. need to from there. Typically, right. Things calm down. We know that often we have that meeting because everybody's emotions are running high or somebody's emotions were usually running high. <laughs> or concerns were like elevated and the parent emailed at, you know, 10 o'clock at night, you know, yes. when they're the most concerned about their children, when you're, you know, your head hits the pillow and you're like, this is just not okay. Um, so what we know is that time, it doesn't necessarily heal all the things, but it lets everybody calm down and have a different approach. And I think the same is said for the meeting, right? You leave the meeting, we have a plan. Let's give it time to work. Um, because yes. a lot of times, you know, the kid might not be able to immediately the next day start the new thing. Um, you know, sometimes for one of mine, it's taking medicine a different time of day. Well, that's going to take a while for a child to make a new habit. Absolutely. Um, you know, whatever those solutions are, we've got to give it time to work. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what I mean by that follow-up for real. Do yeah. it some version that works for you doesn't have to be my way or the highway, but what kind of follow-up does work and shows that you're, you're really interested in this working. Um, and that you're confident and hopeful that you're going to see an improvement, you know, whatever seems to be appropriate for that situation, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and commit to that. So I like it. That's kind of the five ways to level yeah. it up. I think it's fantastic. A lot of really great advice, great information. Uh, the only thing that I would add to follow up for real, and I, I yes. so appreciate that you're there and you're setting the date for follow up on the count, like on your counter immediately. Cause like, like you said, you walk out I that don't. door, 8,000 things are coming at you. Uh, I know I got in trouble with that more than a few times where I, I just, I moved on to the next thing and I forgot to set that date to follow up here. What I recommend now, what I did start to do is I followed up and then I put another follow-up date as it, it would always be an email though. Um, it would email another week out and parents, because parents aren't expecting that email. They're probably expecting the first follow-up, but not the second one. And it was just one of those like, Hey, I just want to follow up, you know, little Johnny's doing great with our plan, blah, blah, blah. Or, Hey, this is what I'm noticing. We're going to continue to work. Um, they're not expecting that one. And it just shows that you're, you're, you're invested in That's what you idea. talked about. And, um, you know, so important here, but I, these five steps that you just laid out, like you said, it's, there's no formula for it. There's no, like, you know, this is how we approach every single parent conference we have, cause they're all different, but having a plan is so important so that you don't fall into some of the traps and pitfalls that sometimes we as adults do, you know, we get caught up in the argument or trying to win or, you know, letting our emotions get the best of us here. And, and having that plan of, uh, of action there and having those outcomes be 
what you're focusing on so important here. And I, I think, uh, you know, if, if teachers or administrators listening to this, I think there's a lot of nuggets that uh, they're going to take away and uh, they'll get back. So, uh, yeah, so, so important. So important here. Again, you know, and I just posted this blog this morning. Um, and I wrote it a while ago, but I reposted this morning. It's just like, how do you deal with a frustrated parent? Oh, uh, man. Because, I mean, it's just that's, they don't teach you that in school. And I teach you know, I teach master's levels courses and we don't, we don't talk about like what happens at the parent conference. Like what happens when you, you've got something really challenging. We don't, we don't talk about those things. Um, um, but you know what, it's making me think, you know, and I do present at conferences uh, a lot. I'm thinking like, Hey, maybe it's time that, uh, you know, maybe you and I should team up here and uh, yeah. let's, let's do, let's, let's get out there and talk about parent conferences. Cause it's, that's what is on teachers' minds. It's not a lot of this other stuff that that does get talked about. It's like, yeah, what happens when a parent is really upset with you and they come in for a conference? What do you right. do? Um, it doesn't so, induce joy. Yeah. I think that was one of the things I struggled with. How do you title this, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, how it's to just, turn it, something bad into something that's pretty okay? You know? <laughs> hey, you know what? That's what we that's what we do. And so, like, hey, it's how to. I don't know, like best outcome possible. Like, yeah. it's just like, you know, sometimes you, you're not going to, you know, I'm using air quotes. No one can see this, but like, you're not going to win, you know? Right. And I've, and I've left some parent meetings just going, that just didn't go the way that I wanted it to. Um, and it's a learning opportunity and some are not, you know, you can be super planned out and it's just not still not going to go the way you want it to go. Um, but I think if you approach it with some strategies behind it, those are going to be more, much more few and far between than, than, sure. the, than the successes that are going to come from it. So super important. So glad that you were able to come on the, uh, come on the podcast awesome. uh, and, and spread that, uh, spread those messages around here. So uh, any, any kind of final thoughts, Lydia, before we, uh, we wrap it up? Well, I think, <clears throat> I think just the key of, you know, it's collaboration and partnership. I think those are kind of my key terms that I try to keep in mind, because like we said, there's, there's the real part that usually parent conferences aren't happening because everybody's happy. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, there are, right. We have the ones that are already set up in our schools that are, you know, happen every semester or whatever that looks like. And I think for those, the opportunity is, that's not the opportunity to tell parents everything that's going wrong. Right. right. So how do you pick and choose? I mean, this is something that I could, we could probably do PD for teachers on every single year, even the veteran teachers, you know, and those PDs can help the novice. And there's always yes. something new because you always have a new experience to share um, with every year, with every family, with every child. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's always a nuance to it. Um, right. So the book would never be written, right? If we try right. to do it <clears throat> because it changes <laughs> and, and as generations change, the challenges of what we're actually, problems we're actually trying to solve true. can sound old, but they're presented in such a new way sometimes that we're struggling to come up with what those solutions look like. But it truly true. is a collaboration, problem solving team. Um, and I know all that kind of can start to sound hokey sometimes in education. Um, we use all the language that makes it sound like it's all going to be perfect and fine. Um, and I think that, you know, one of the reasons parent conferences aren't at parent conference workshops and things like that don't happen is because it doesn't feel like something you can learn. Um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like something that was in a textbook because it wasn't, like you said, it's not, it, there wasn't a section in the textbook on that. Um, nope that helped you guide that. So I really appreciate the opportunity to do this. It was really fun. Um, and just to share something that has helped me through the years. And 
you know, I think helped teachers too, as they go through the experience and maybe a little less just trial by fire and a little more practice and the flames will be a little smaller, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. As they go through maybe. the <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks again. I know, uh, you know, like I said before, I know that there's there's many different little, little truth nuggets that you shared with uh, with us. So thank you so much for uh, coming on the Principal's Desk podcast. It's been a pleasure and uh, love to get you on again and uh, uh, maybe talk about some of your work with IB schools. Because um, yeah. I get asked all the time and I do not have an IB background. And so uh, maybe, uh, you know, we can all look forward to a future uh, episode and talking about IB schools. I'd but, love uh, to. Yeah, thank you. Well, uh, thanks again, Lydia. And uh, thank you to everyone for tuning into the Principal's Desk podcast. Thank you.